Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And as I say every week, Sherry Edwards is off working on the, the ever amazing, ever improving soundhealthportal.com. You can go to soundhealthportal.com and currently you can go and go to services, click on services, then click on campaigns, and you'll see there are at the top is an article on Sherry's current research on the coronavirus. And you can see that information and or you can also sign up for a free account, choose one of the current campaigns. A campaign is, is one of the software programs that you can run your vocal print through for free. And so you sign up for a free account. You record two 45-second recordings right through your computer. It's better if you use a little bit of a microphone, even the Samsung Go mic which you can find at the soundhealthoptions.com under the store. You record the recordings and then you choose any of the campaigns or one of the campaigns, I should say, which could be PTSD or bio diet or neuroplasticity and submit your vo vocal prints, which are just recordings of your voice. We call them vocal prints. Choose that campaign and within two to 12 hours, you'll get a report back with a lot of information I suggest sitting down with a cup of tea and viewing it and reading it and trying to go, oh, wow, what's okay, what's that? If you're up for a further adventure, you can take it to your healthcare practitioner and sit down and talk with them about what's being seen. Oftentimes, I'll use the term either hypertonistic or hypotonistic, and that just means that as the software looks at your vocal print, it's going to see things that are spiked too high, hypertonistic, too much of or hypotonistic, low on the chart, too low. And that means any number of things, we can talk our wondrous guest, Jack Tips, about this as well, that hypertonistic means there's too much in the system, which could be, there's A, it could be that there is too much, or B, that there's too much and it's not being assimilated well into the body, and that's why there is a spike of it, or same thing with too low. You might not have it, or it might not be whatever the nutrient is, being absorbed into the system because there's something in the overall flow of how everything breaks down, in the miracle that our bodies are, how things break down and get assimilated. So you can do all that at soundhealthportal.com and or you go to soundhealthoptions.com and click under media and there are video demos there of Sherry running demos of doing a full workup with somebody on the Sound Health Portal. Highly recommend it. There's a lot of great information there. Then because this is, again, a show we're going to want to listen to again, talking about viral loads and ooh, exciting stuff. Good information. You can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, click on Sound Health Radio, and there at the top, about 15 minutes after I end the show, will be a link to the show notes and a playback at Blog Talk Radio. And or at the top, we now have a link to Stitcher and to Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts is my preferred podcast app. I like both of those because you can listen to re-listen to the show. When you click on either of those links, let's say Pocket Casts, it'll take you on the, the show. This show will be at the very top of the list in about 30 minutes to an hour. Aggregators take a little longer. And you can listen to this show, and then you can see a list of the other shows we've done recently. And when you listen to a show at either Pocket Cast or Stitcher, there's a link.
sometimes kind of hidden, but there's always a link so that you can easily share the show to others. So with this show, because of the subject matter, I think it's one of those we're really going to share out so people can get out of a state of what I might almost call trauma about the coronavirus, because Jack has a lot of really great information to help us come out of that. With that, Wellness Wiz Jack Tips earned a PhD in nutrition science from the Roger Williams School of Nutrition Science in Clayton, Missouri. He's also a naturopathic doctor, certified clinical nutritionist, classical homeopath, herbalist, and is the author of 16 books. Wellness Wiz has dedicated his career to advancing the application of natural health practices and bringing to bear the latest research in his own clinic, as well as passing on his vast knowledge to others. His teaching style has been honed to cut through the scientific chatter to the true essence of the latest natural health research. As a natural health consultant, Wellness Wiz Tips has touched the lives of thousands of people with his keen insights and foundational belief that he stands in service to the body's innate vitality from which optimal health originates. Jack joins us today to discuss immune preparedness and viral concerns. Welcome, Jack. Well, howdy, Richard, and I guess this is my cue to say how happy I am to be here and what a great show we're going to have and all of that, but I think I'm going to turn the tables on you here and just want you to know how grateful I am for you and, and you're doing this show and you're carrying the voice of natural health forward, uh, particularly in this time where we find the large blanket censorship of the natural health voice. Uh, in the media, and so, um, you know, you're doing a great service to people, and uh, of course, I am honored and thrilled to be here with you you and your audience this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's truly, it is a passion for me, getting information out there so people have information, and much like yourself, reduce fear and stress. It's really a like, theme for us, I think. Yes. We want to, all of our yes. talking today... I hope it can bring people some uh, peace in their hearts about the uh, coronavirus because we're going to try to put it in some perspective. It is a concern, but there are solutions available now, and this is what people need to know so that they know that they can take steps to help their families, their friends, themselves, and not get tied up in an angst and a a, a depression or a, a deep fear that um, life will never, ever, 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 ever be the same and things like that, that'll be contributing to making things worse. So we're going to have a, a positive message here for people. And I would just like to preface, Richard, that I'm going to do my very best that when I make a statement that there will be scientific studies that can back it up. And I'll, I'll also try to differentiate when I go off with one of my opinions. So we're going to try to stand for truth, justice, and honesty. And the, the right thing to do right now is to pour a little oil on troubled waters. I like it. Thank you. That's great. I want to start at a slightly, we'll continue with this theme, because I really want to have you talk about what stress does to to the immune system, how altering is stress to the immune system, and 
sort of a, I'll call it the hormone cascade because there are hormones involved. The effect of chronic stress on the system, whether it be mental or toxic, but I'm thinking more mental at this moment, the cascade of effects that can occur from that chronic mental stress. Because I think people under underrate that. We talk about, about glyphosate and toxins in the environment. But what about stress on the immune system? Well, you know, I think we, we live in a time where I call it, you know, uh, don't try to talk to a fish about water. It's just <laughs> that there's so much stress that it's, it literally permeates um, so many different facets of our lives that it's, you know, it's, if a person is not doing something specific for stress relief, then they're living in a, an ocean of stress that may be well unprecedented. I'll just repeat some of the sort of the status quotient information. Um, when the body perceives stress, we go into what people are familiar with is the fight or flight response. And so uh, you might say in the older days, uh, a saber-toothed tiger might jump out of the woods and the person climbs up a tree real fast and that was a, a moment of stress. And then the the saber-toothed tiger walks off, and then they come down, and the, the stress system could turn off. And what, what the, the scientists and the doctors that work in stress management, ever since Hans Selye, probably the father of the impact of stress, um, a man that left us uh, beautiful aphorisms about stress and how to deal with stress, so I would say if someone's feeling stressed, um, Google up some of the wise sayings of Dr. Hans Selye, S-E-L-Y-E. -E. But we have to understand that today there's so many things bombarding us. Um, one of the best uh, tricks of the media and uh, marketeers is to, to create a problem, create fear, and then offer the solution. And this is being done again and again and again and again. And the news media knows if it bleeds, it leads. And there's just so many things now that that come at people. We're now said to be a species that lives in in constant fight or flight. And so this is why in natural health, there's been so much talk for so many years about the adrenal glands, the glands that make the 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 stress response, whether it's the the cortisol hormone and or whether it's the epinephrine and norepinephrine, which are just collectively kind of adrenaline that we get these systems turned on, but we don't get them turned off. And so the, the situation now in a nutshell is when the body has to climb that tree to get away from the saber-toothed tiger, it wants adrenaline to the muscles and it wants fight or flight and it wants everything for survival. Well, when you're climbing that tree, your body's not concerned if you've properly you know, digested that rutabaga you ate, and it's you're um, got this system turned on, but now it's not so important if your immune system is really keeping an eye on a bacteria or a virus. So you, you, everything, everything is on the line. So as people live more in stress, they're they're losing a part of their immune system. When we start looking at some of the nutrients we're going to talk about in, in a little bit here, um, we're going to see how some of these nutrients get washed out very easily. 
by stress. Most people are familiar with words like magnesium. And, but a magnesium is an immune modulator between the, between the two immune systems, the innate and the acquired immune system of human beings. So when we start running these nutrients out, and living in this perpetual state of angst and stress, we inevitably we have weakened immune systems, we have weakened gut microbiomes, we have weakened neurological pathways in the brain. And I think that was really maybe some of the feeling behind my my opening statement that let's let's find some some peace in our heart and greater purpose and how we can help each other um, because that's going to take us out of Stress, which can lead to proper uh, improper actions and put us into a proactive mode where we can be our best and help other people as well. And that was great. Thank you. Um, I, I'm going to jump here because this just rolled through my brain. I didn't write this down, but I wanted to ask. There's a lot of, if you go on the, the wicked web, as I'm calling it currently, because I've always sort of felt that way about it. And do just put in the term coronavirus. You're going to get a bazillion links with half a bazillion, at least, theories about the why, the what, the how, the conspiracy, the thing, how, you know, it's a bioweapon, it's not a bioweapon, it's, you know, all sorts of things. Is any of this going to help us in some way, or we're here now and we should move forward, in your opinion. Do you have any pet Well, I think first we need to asking? define bazillion uh, because <laughs> I think yeah. it's it's 16 gadzillions, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I think it's been it's been interesting to consider all things that are are there. That's just to me part of the fun. But it, maybe it's sad that some people take some things too seriously. But you know we're the things like you're saying, the biowarfare, it's been debated, debated back and forth. But at this point, it's like, well, it, it doesn't matter anymore. What matters is what we do today. And the, the virus is among us, and we need action for today, whether it is a bioweapon or not, whether it is a big uh, scheme of big pharma to make more money or the Center for Disease Control to, to power grab or – I'm just trying to think of everything, or that the USA sent the virus over to Iran, and all these things that um, people like to go gee whiz about. It, it all sort starts to pale and become inconsequential because we have a virus. We know what it looks like. We know its genetic blueprint, and it can cause problems. But keep in mind that uh, certainly, I think statistically, like 85% of people that are going to contract it um, are not going to have significant problems. And, and so we, we start looking at statistics, and the other statistic that's a concern is that is indeed that 2.3% that could end up in ICU. This is, a, this is a big number, although, you know, it sounds like, you know, it's not even as much as sales tax or something that we live with every day, but 2.3% is a huge amount of people, and that means um, our hearts are going to be going out to a lot of people who could be having a lot of tragedy and a lot of upheaval in their life. So we want to take this seriously. We want to be concerned, but we also want to focus on dispelling 
fear. When we when we find ourselves uh, going into that fear mode, that's definitely time to to give ourselves a good talking to and make sure we're uh, in our our best of health and in an, in a proactive state. And what makes this virus such a wow a, a hot topic? I mean, in the sense of is it is it media that's really banging the drum, or or what is really why is this so being purported as being so radical? It's it's a flu virus, isn't it? Am I missing something here? Why is it such a? Hot it's topic? not quite a flu virus. It's a little okay. more nasty. See, and uh, the flu uh, took out uh, six hundred thousand people worldwide, and the the flu starts in Australia because they're right at the timeline and. And then for months we get to sit up here and start watching it, and and then it then it comes with our weather change and the tilt of the earth and the the slanting of the sun rays, and we go through our our flu system, but I think right now the CDC says 600,000 people died, and we we don't have this fear uh, about that. We kind of just 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 take it in stride, right? Oh, it's winter. We got to do something for the flu. In natural health, we start looking at building the the vitamin D3, the vitamin K2. Uh, the homeopaths come out with that year's influenzymum remedy. And there's things that go on in the natural health uh, community, and people go, yeah, I don't want to get the flu. And then there's things that go on in the allopathic world as the the latest flu shot comes out, or they try to release a drug like uh, what tomorrow. Um, that was made from an herb, actually. Uh, they, they always, every, someone's always ready there to, to market something to this this fear. But right now, we don't have that many people uh, succumbing to coronavirus. But it is it is a bit more unique um, because it's a people to people transmission now, and it is novel. And the word novel just means it's new. And so where most of us each year with the flu, you know, and over the last five years, most people have had maybe a little touch of the flu, and their immune system is familiar with the coronavirus of the flu. There's, there's many, many viruses that, that wear the crown, um, which describes their, their structure. But um, this virus has, has kind of has a double whammy uh, through the cytokine storms that it can create, that it it um, it's going to catch some people unawares that we don't have really a good history of anything. We don't have antibodies as an entire human species. We don't have antibodies to this. We don't even have old antibodies or old remnants of antibodies that our immune systems might rely on some of our acquired immunity uh, to handle things like the winter flu. So. Um, but this is not the nastiest virus that has ever kind of been going around. Um, there's been uh, viruses uh, of much higher uh, mortality, predicted mortality rates, and and things like that. So this is just a, a nasty customer, but one that is not of the grave uh, concern of some of the others you know we could think of hanta and uh, ebola and and by the way medicine has pretty well conquered ebola virus there's there's medications there's vaccines and the, the mortality rate of ebola has gone 
way, way, way down since it first uh, came out. So, you know, so humanity is responding. And um, right now you could think if you've ever heard of uh, something like the SARS, uh, mm-hmm. sudden acute respiratory, uh, the bird flu, uh, the, what was called H5N1 from years ago, had uh, like almost a 50% mortality if you got, if you got that. And we're at 2.5 on this and or 2.3 is actually what's what's showing up so again it's a concern uh it's new and we should i think everyone should be taking constructive steps to prepare themselves and to be those people that can go through this time of of crisis um you know with with flying colors mm-hmm. and why i i hear a lot and i've read a lot about children don't seem to be getting this do you have a do you have thoughts about why that is kids are not getting it well it would just be a speculation because i don't think science has come forth yet right with that answer but we might um say that children have had a, a lot less time to get worn down by the toxic environment by the uh constant bombardment of our DNA by the the Wi-Fi signal and the cell phone signal and you know the the worst signal of 5G and they 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 don't have have that so for some reason they just they they're they're able to perhaps launch what's called an innate uh response uh, to this virus because then their bodies they're launching a lot of innate responses if they like meet the measles before they get a measles vaccine, their innate response um, goes in and and starts to understand it, uh, clone antibodies and and so forth. Uh, the thing about children though is they can be carriers, so they may not be symptomatic or mama thinks they just have another um, little uh, hacking cough and uh, when they hear them walking around or something and they don't think that they're their child is sick, they may not notice any fever whatsoever, and yet they, the, the child can be, be carrying it. So that's one of the reasons why I'm saying it's here, it's among us. And uh, the flip side of, of your question, Richard, is the, the most of the mortality is coming from old people um, or the people in their golden years or elderly, however it's politically correct to call it. Um, I'm in that category, so I can figure <laughs> I can call too. it whatever I want. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but for the older people, their you know their systems are worn down, and they've just had so much longer, so much more wear and tear. They're they're very vulnerable uh, to this. In fact, uh, my wife Janine was just telling me that Italy has announced that if you're 80 years old or older, and and if you um, get the coronavirus, they're not going to uh, clog up the the emergency mm. rooms with you and, and get you into ICU. They're just going to let nature run its course. So you know, they Brutal. definitely recognize the, the elderly being susceptible and troublesome with this virus. Right. And, yeah, I think it's time. Um, what are some of the things we can do? You know, I mean, when I've talked, you and I have talked about this before from the most recent show we were doing, talking about the liver. There are things that we can do that are 
this is, I can't help but say, this isn't rocket science in a certain way. This is about having a kind of a healthy lifestyle, having a good immune system. Talk about some of those things like good old vitamin C. I mean, just plain old dumb vitamin C. I don't mean that is a derogatory. I just mean it's vitamin C. Just go, those kinds of additions of how, of how we can support our immune system, how we can help our adrenals. So open that magic okay. box, please. You know, vitamin C goes back to the, the, the brilliant research of Dr. Linus Pauling. But um, the thing that's kind of in the forefront today is that uh, China has announced that they are working with intravenous vitamin C. Uh, and, and it's helping people. It's saving lives. And Switzerland now has announced that they're working with intravenous vitamin C. Now, uh, this is such an easy thing to do medically, right? You just hook up an IV bag. And the levels is, are, are literally like uh, 0.1, one, one tenth of a gram uh, of uh, IV vitamin C. And um, the research out of um, China is showing that it's amazingly effective. And so the, the, the thing that was kind of perturbing me the other day is we watched the, the United States' um, leadership uh, talk about things like we're a rich country, so this is going to be easy-peasy for us because we, we can – I guess we're going to buy off the coronavirus with bearer bonds and <laughs> dollar bills or something. Um, but the um, the thing is, is that something so inexpensive, so simple, you know, where you could just say there could be um, IV stations set up, and if you get a sniffle, hey, just go in and get one. You know, they're launching this this complicated testing, deep nasal swabs, and 24-hour delay, and mach big machines that have to seek the coronavirus's unique uh, DNA or fragments of that DNA pattern and then get the results back when a, a preemptive vitamin C drip could just do a whole lot of a good for a whole lot of people anyway. Um, but yeah, that, that research is there. It comes, it seems like the vitamin C drip research research. Excuse me, you're back. You got wobbly for a second. You're back now. Okay. It seems like the vitamin C research uh, resurfaces every time. So it, it seems to be genuine. It never goes away, and people have good success. But every time there's a, a question about a, a virus, the, finally somebody comes up and goes, well, what about vitamin C IV? And while we're on the subject, why not just say it's one of our good preventatives right now um, to take vitamin C. And so if a person were to go out and get a supplement of vitamin C, they could look at the ascorbates, magnesium ascorbate, potassium ascorbate, that form, the buffered vitamin C's because you can take more. Some people have a bowel tolerance issue where if they take a couple of grams of vitamin C, they'll get a little bit of a loose stool, but the, the buffered forms and the ascorbates don't do that as much. So suddenly a person can find that um, on the minimum, adding a a gram, a thousand milligrams, a gram, would be a bare minimum, and you could probably find it'd be very easy to take six grams a day, 
and now you're you're boosting this. Uh, one of the interesting things, really, about vitamin C is it keeps uh, the collagen integrity. Now, when we look at what's called the cytokine storm, we're, we're getting uh, it's collagen factors that, that get into the lungs and fill it up with water and the, the lymph fluid and, and cause so much problems with the pneumonia. And so vitamin C is up and ready to, to help as a component of the collagen. And lo and behold, uh, vitamin A has been known for many, many years to be your uh, a leading uh, vitamin for, for viral concerns. And the collagen is made up of vitamin C, vitamin A, bioflavonoids, and things like that. And I thought with some amusement, well, when the virus attacks, if it attacks the collagen, the collagen breaks down and releases these vitamins, and they serve as an innate deterrent to these infections. So it makes good sense that we could be taking some supplements like vitamin C and, um, and be able to give ourselves a competitive edge. Uh, if we contract a virus and we're rich in our nutrients, we don't have near uh, the worry. We're not worry-free, but we don't have near the worry, and we do have some uh, ability to slow down the spread of the virus within our bodies. So most people should know that the virus will invade the cell, take over the, the mechanism, and then it will erupt back out of the cell because it's cloning itself a million times, and then it erupts out of the cell and geometrically progresses throughout the body, and that, that erupted cell dies. And this is part of the pneumonia process that causes so much trouble is the the cells succumbing and then cells that are dead don't work and so people then have uh, the one thing this virus is famous for is the respiratory uh, connection so i think you're spot on with the the vitamin c but the fact that other countries now these are intelligent people um, and they're doing this and so I'm wondering, where are we? You know, I'm always, you know, if you're like me from the old days, we grew up thinking, oh, we're the best and the brightest, and we've got the most advanced systems, and, you know, patting ourselves on the back all the time. But when it comes to common sense, uh, I, sometimes I have to just kind of scratch my head that we're not getting a vitamin C drip stations set up in every community um, while we're waiting around for, I guess, something worse to happen or to go ahead and be uh, put as a country under quarantine. Well, and, I mean, vitamin C is about as cheap as possible, even if you're taking just straight old ascorbic acid. I've taken vitamin C for so long that my bowel tolerance is pretty high. Um, but, I mean, yeah. just plain old vitamin C, you know. Well, it's actually a gram. waste product. <laughs> <laughs> it's a waste product of the paper pulp industry, and unlike the waste product of the aluminum industry, which is fluoride, um, <laughs> which we, mm. we managed to get rid of through our bodies right. uh, for the aluminum companies, <laughs> that, I'm just laughing a little bit, yeah. but you're right. The yeah. vit vitamin C, these things are quick and easy and could certainly be employed right now, um, and so if we can't 
go down the street and get a vitamin C drip, um, then what we can do is we can get a hold of some vitamin C, have it delivered to the door, uh, you know, grab it off the shelf, hopefully, and, you know, it's now's the time to start working with it. And we, we talked a little bit backstage about uh, Robert Rowan's uh, MD's research on ozone, and he did a great deal of work in Africa with Ebola and ozone. And ozone, in a similar, in a certain way, I, I think, is a kindred spirit to vitamin C when you do so it with right, an IV yeah. or inject it. You know, it's just it's a it's a punchier, more aggressive form. But if you have something that's really bad, a vitamin, you know, an ozone injection or drip, or depending upon how you prefer to get it into the system, also is possibility. And Rowan has done a lot of research. I'm a fan of ozone because I used to design ozone primary disinfectant water purification systems. So I I know about ozone as a you know it's it's great stuff. But the vitamin C is readily available. I'm I'm surprised they don't have it at every you know urgent care or emergency room around as people are standing in line. Just give them a vitamin C drip while they're waiting. Everybody would be much healthier. I mean, or just orally hand everybody a bottle of chewable vitamin C. Here, start here. It's I don't know. And what about us? Yeah, so all right. And, and, the, go, ahead. go ahead, Richard. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the ozone therapy you're referring to is by IV, and there's in most communities now there are medical doctors called functional medicine doctors, and a lot of them like to do ozone therapies and vitamin C drips. So these things are in our communities. I don't know the posture of um, a quarantine and if they'll be on duty or if they'll take people who are not already in their their patient list but i just wanted to, the happy message is that these things are around they are available and the compelling research on ozone therapy is simply that that type of molecule um, super oxygen is is very destructive to the virus and so, in fact, it's probably one of the reasons why this planet is not quite owned by virus is because we've got the, the sunshine and we've got the oxygen in the air, and these things help balance the Earth's ecosystem. And so viruses don't maraud around. They need a host. And so that's why the, the coronavirus now jumping from person to person, um, they're, it's able to find hosts. But so there's two things on our, our dance cards here that, um, you know, vitamin C and ozone therapies are effective therapies. That's what the statistics and that's what the cases are, are reporting. These are very effective. So for people that are sitting around in worry, like I said, it's time to get proactive. And there's viable therapies um, readily available. And because I, it always occurs to me, uh, I'm a fan of a regular medium-level B-complex because that's going to help with the stress and help kind of neutrify our system in a bigger way. Could you talk a little bit about what are your thoughts on adding a B vitamin? And it doesn't have to be a high-dose, massive, you know, just a, kind of like a nice B vitamin. 
Well, that's something that's come to the the forefront in the natural health because of gene testing and the what's called the uh, MTHFR uh, situation. For people that may not know the uh, the abbreviation, we're we're talking about the ability of the cells to methylate a, a vitamin B9 called folate uh, and and the folate, not folic acid. We're talking about folate. And we're talking about the body's innate ability to add a methyl donor to it and make a form of folate called methylfolate that turns the machinery of our cells and allows for cellular detoxification. But your point is well taken. And, and I remember even back in the 1960s and maybe possibly the 1950s, the health food stores would have something called stress B complex. And they seem to choose... <laughs> Right, uh, 50 milligrams of everything, and then they might try to do 50 micrograms or something of the the microgrammable ones, such as the B12 and so forth. Right. But yeah, that um, the pathways of the the B vitamins supporting the the stress relieving uh, processes, the the detoxification, because under stress, the the cells uh, their their metabolic waste become more of a concern, and the the stress Bs. The, the B complex uh, would help alleviate or help uh, turn the machinery of the innate cellular detox processes and let people kind of return their, their cellular metabolism back to a less stressful state. And because we're both herbalists, I have to ask, are there any herbs that you would think would be beneficial for us to be I think about tonics, long-term beneficial effects. Um, things that would help us, you know, do you think we want to be adding, I advocate for people who are, call me freaked out, a little bit of a nervine, a little bit of, you know, passion flower skull cap kind of tea, just as a general like soothing effect. But are there some herbs that you would think that would be well, beneficial there, there for may us be to be thinking some general, about? Yeah, yeah, there may be some general ones to mention. Um, I like the idea that if you want to get focused on um, working with herbal medicine, that it's good to have an herbalist um, because they've lived it, they've studied it, um, they know contraindications, they know doses, and there's, there's always the value of someone, their professional expertise. Uh, I'm going to point uh, to, uh, again, I have to, you know, I promise to have research, but the herb Lamatium dissectum, also mm. called leptitania, has always come to the forefront, um, not only for virus, uh, but also for some nasty bacteria. I know uh, the last I saw was um, uh, during uh, concerns about anthrax, Lamatium stood up head and shoulders as, as something for that. And the, um, there's a beautiful story actually about Lamatium that comes from Dr. Ernst Krebs of Carson City, Nevada, he was able to treat, I believe it was said, as he became a Nobel Prize nominee, and we can think of his family, the Krebs, making the Krebs cycle. Um, mm -hmm. So he comes from a, a family of, of doctors and a lineage of researchers and doctors, but in 1918, 1919, he, the Native Americans brought him the Lamatium root. It's a big old honking like tuber root and it oozes this oil and um, they started giving it to people with uh, the Spanish flu that was you know so devastating 
uh, at that time, 100 years ago, and um, he was credited with saving 40,000 lives. Now, he sent some to San Francisco, and they were actually treating uh, a lot of people there. So back in the old, old days, um, from that, they looked at making lamatium available to people uh, in the U.S. pharmacopoeia uh, as a, a medicine, and then the, the pharmacopoeia people decided that they couldn't get consistent uh, dosages because one plant might have a stronger supply, another plant might be weaker, and so the whole thing of standardization. And, of course, then um, I, I would have to, you know, with some chagrin, say there probably wasn't enough money in it. But um, that's the lineage there of lamatium. I think cordyceps is uh, is another one, and it comes out of the Chinese and the, the Tibetan uh, systems, and I'm sure it's in, involved in Ayurveda, as a matter of fact. And that's just a, a lovely herb, although it's not um, – exactly a plant it's a it's a fungus that grows on a a caterpillar but it's become very very popular it's become so popular that now it has to be uh, literally farmed in warehouses that the wild crafting was a, was about to wipe it out but i would put that in and i think also richard on your your talk about the herbs uh, many herbalists have special formulas or patent formulas, and certainly we see this in the, the wonderful practice of acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine, the patent formulas. So you can literally say, well, what can I do to support my, my thymus? What can I do to support immune balance? What can I do to support the lungs? And I think the lungs is what I'm going to have to put at number one right now, that if a, a person could get a lung tonic you know, something like, you know, tonify metal, sedate metal, um, if, if the cytokine storm is more likely. Um, this is all out of Chinese medicine, but anything that people know to do for the lungs, uh, that would be uh, something to be looking at, you know, like mullen, uh, which would grow in our gardens here in Texas, that these herbs would, would provide nourishment and nurture uh, to a system that's going to be challenged. Yeah. I'm pausing because we could have a whole herbal conversation, but I'll stop there <laughs> because I'm thinking lung ward and ocean, all sorts of things, but that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah, those, are, a those lot are all of, good thoughts too. Um, I, I, I like your idea of find your local herbalist, talk to an herbalist, and I think it's particularly positive to have a local herbalist because they know what's going on in your area and they'll know the indigenous possibilities as well as you know the weather and all those factors that they would take into consideration with the formulas they might suggest and as you said they might have their own formulas um, and I would also suggest people go to uh, Fungi Perfecti I think that's right that's Paul Stamets website and he's Mr. Mycology and has a boatload of information on things such as cordyceps and other agaricon and all sorts of wonderful formulations that he puts out. But I want to jump now slightly. I, I, well, kind of jumping. And I want to talk about the genus Epidemicus. Talk about homeopathy, and then also uh, I'll tell people now that there's a copy of a great article that you wrote 
uh, with information. So talk about that because that the article link is in the show notes that you'll find if you click on the show notes after the show. But talk about genus epidemicus, please. Okay. Well, a lot of what I do is I'll, I'll, I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. So I will I'll write out things for people, and then I feel like if um, I wander off in uh, the talk and we get off on a sidetrack or a tangent – and the time runs out, then, hey, you can download the article, and, uh, you know, in the article there's going to be oh, a, a, a mention of selenium and zinc and red marine algae, um, you know, magnesium and iodine. Gosh, iodine's a, a wonderful one to have here, and then it'll talk, you know, about the concerns if someone has um, Hashimoto's either autoimmune or hypothyroid and, and how to approach iodine and certainly the D3 and all that. And so all that information is written out so people, you know, if they're driving, we don't want them to try to uh, take notes and veer around. So there's a Latin phrase you use there, Richard, called genus epidemicus. And it's just the common characteristics of a epidemic or a pandemic. And so this goes back um, many, many years, and I'm, I think most people are not aware of the process. Every year when the, the flu season comes around, the homeopathic physicians are chatting amongst themselves. So I've had several chats today uh, from homeopathic physicians, and there's, there, there's always a, a constant debate What's the remedy, the homeopathic medicine, that fits the majority of people and that you, could, you can just reach for it? Um, you can even uh, start seeing that uh, a remedy in a liquid solution could be used uh, you know, prophylactically, that people that it will have a preventative and that if you do uh, meet up with a virus, it, it helps your, your body's already tuned up. Uh, for this. So the, the research begins, and in, in this particular uh, about right now, it was uh, actually a, a Hong Kong doctor that uh, took the lead and, and started the discussion about the coronavirus. And this is where they list the key symptoms, the dry cough, the, the achiness, the flu symptoms, the fever. Um, where in one illness, the fever might just literally overnight spike up to 104, but other, other fevers, might, it might, the body might smolder more on that. And all of those symptoms and characteristics point to the genus epidemicus. So the, the doctor in Hong Kong uh, said uh, for people that are not too intimidated by the names of remedies, uh, it's called Gelsimian sempervirens, that that remedy should be the genus epidemicus. So then all the doctors around the world that practice homeopathic medicine start talking and looking and taking cases and reviewing literature, and they get their noses in a book called the Materia Medica, and they repertize and all the things that homeopaths do. And then we started seeing that maybe out of Italy and Europe, we start seeing that they had a lot more of this dry cough and, and so forth. And so another doctor comes forth and says, I think Bryonia, Alba, Bryonia, it's called, that that's the remedy. And he makes his case. And now everybody's looking at the differentiating 
notes and then we we do have a situation in Iran where they've had a little bit different uh, type of involvement. So there there could even be a certain genetic and uh, cultural aspects uh, for collectively for people. And and so for uh, the situation in Iran, it looks like the remedy arsenicum album is the the genus Epidemicus. So these discussions go on. But the the really exciting thing is for for people that uh, might put the, a couple of the best choices together for a plan, um, you, can, you can buy a, a tube, a little tube of white pellets. Uh, they're, they're in many of the health food stores. And uh, you would look for Bryonia, and you'd look for Gelsimian. And now you've got uh, literally the genus Epidemicus, um, in your hand, and I, I would like to at least mention that your homeopathic physician has probably studied for 20 years, uh, and that means continuing education and there's hours and hours and hours of studying philosophy and history and cases and so forth, and so they are the best people to contact um, for concerns, um, and they, they can more objectively pick a remedy. For instance, in the case of Bryonia, it has the trait of it seems to work best when the nights are cold and the days get warmer. So it's more of a springtime, right? In the spring, the days get warm, but we still chill down in the night. And Gelsimian seems to be for people that just lose their zest and they become apathetic and they have chills. And so there, there's characteristics. You know, the Gelsimians might want to drink ice water while they're shivering from cold. And so these, these are called the portraits of the remedies, and they're listed in a, a large number of books in homeopathy called the Materia Medicus. And so the doctors are actively discussing. One of our American doctors said, I think we need to look at the remedy Mercurius. And so he pitches in and says, well, if you see these traits, so again, I want to say that the practitioner would make a quick differentiation, but we can say right now that probably 80% in this country could use um, either Gelsimian or, or Bryonia and one of the things the homeopaths might do is they might put just different potencies of those remedies in the same bucket, so to speak, and the person get themselves prepared. And, and then I mentioned the flu epidemic where they study, and then the homeopathic pharmacies release a remedy. It's usually around October. This last year it was around November. It was a little more uh, difficult but they, they have to obtain the virus and they attenuate it, which means they, you know, they crush it and they dilute it and they load it and they succuss it and they dilute it until there is nothing left. So you, you can't get infected from taking a remedy. That's absolutely guaranteed. But they make this thing called influenzinum. And so if for people that seek and choose homeopathic treatment, they might be doing influenzinum each October, November, and certainly by December because they're preparing themselves in case they get exposure to the flu. So spearheaded by the, the doctor in Hong Kong, uh, the genus uh, epidemicus of the no-sode remedy for the corona um, has become available. 
And so this is a way to talk to the body. I will I should say right now that modern medicine does not approve of homeopathy. They do not accept it. They don't accept its tenets. And one of the things where it's been difficult to understand in this particular circumstance, they say, look, I give you a vaccine. I can come back a little while later. I can find antibodies in your blood. If you take the remedy, you don't necessarily get any antibodies. What the remedies are doing is they're preparing your body to be alert and to be uh, very quickly addressing it. So then if you do get exposure to the, a flu or a corona and you, you have the presence of the remedy, then your body is able to respond and, and mitigate symptoms and, and maybe you don't get sick or maybe you just have a very, very mild case. But I look at the remedies as being preparatory. Like, what's our big challenge right now? It's coronavirus. Okay, what can I do to get my body ready? Because I think we're, we're not going to be able to control it. I'm hearing now that the U United States might go in quarantine, but, you know, is the postman going to sneeze on your mail? You're going to have to eat. Somebody sneeze on the, the sugar-frosted flakes at the grocery store. You know, I, I just don't see how anyone in an urban environment can isolate and protect themselves. I don't even think a person could head to the hills and go up in the mountains because they're going to hit the gas pump on the way, and they're going to use that finger to decide if their credit card is a debit card or a credit card, and they're touching that machine. They're touching the handle. When we really get down to it, it's the the idea of quarantine is going to slow the progression and the more it's slowed down the more time medicine has to develop a vaccine the more time the icus can make sure they've got full staff and resources of very very dedicated doctors and nurses who are risking their lives for on behalf of humanity and so it, buying time is great because we're also, the earth is moving each day around the sun and we're getting the rays differently. And now we have the blessing of, you know, why does the flu go away when the weather gets warmer? And why does the flu go away when the earth tilts to get more direct sunshine? So we've got some factors on this scale of trying to understand um, we can slow it down, which, which is quarantine and, you know, if you like, singing the birthday song. It's certainly better than the old Ring Around the Rosy song, if you know the <laughs> history on that. But, um, you know, we can do these things, and we're all contributing to slowing things down, and hopefully uh, we don't have one vector uh, go out and contaminate 50 people if they're they're staying home and behaving themselves more you know, maybe that person would only, you know, have to go to the grocery store or something, and it's fewer. So we're, we're looking at controlling damage and mitigating damage, but there's an old, old aphorism that is one of the, one of the reasons why some pundits in natural health and some scientists kind of dispute the premise of what's called herd immunity. And because ultimately... Immunity is our responsibility. It's a personal responsibility to take charge of our own health 
and to do what protects us. So that's really a, a big message here with us uh, chatting today is what can we do uh, to help this situation and what can we do to protect our ourselves? So it's the the perfect answer to all this is the best defense is to optimize your immune system. So there's nutrition, there's herbs, uh, there's the great physicians around the world that practice. You know, not only have they been to medical school, but they also have taken an extra years of training to be you know, classical and, and homeopathic physicians. And so we find from studying these things that there's hard science. For people that do get the report, I'm going to give you 10 references on vitamin C that says it's applicable to the coronavirus and to magnesium and, and to the, the, the seven things that I'm recommending that we should each be taking every day to better prepare our bodies because I think it's really beyond worry uh, and it's beyond the delusion that we can be exempt from this. It's that, okay, maybe you're lucky uh, that you, you, you may never get it, but the point here is if this virus goes into remission and never gets the full geometric progression of mass action uh, because of the season and because of quarantine and because of uh, you know, maybe vaccines being developed, it's probably going to come around again next year. In other words, everybody on earth is probably going to get an opportunity to have to stand up to the coronavirus and kind of, you know, punch it in the crown and say, not here. You know, you're not going to find a happy host in, in me. And so you mentioned earlier, yeah, it's really everything that is being talked about in the natural health community of what people can do to be stronger, live longer, live healthier, be happier. That's such the message of uh, the, the holistic sciences, body, mind, and spirit. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to quiet myself down here a little bit, Richard, and see if you're having some thoughts and would like to get a, a word in edgewise. But I hope we can talk a little bit more about, you know, body, mind, and spirit in this. But I'm going to toss the ball back to you here and and see what you're thinking. Well, I, I think the one of the great things that was a great segment. Thank you. The the part the hint for me in the homeopathics was I had never heard them explain that way. The idea of what I would call giving the body the hint or the clue, the Brioni or the Gelsinium or, you know, whatever it is you're taking. So your body has a hint of something that's approaching you rather than like, oh, wow, what is that? You know, you have a little bit of a pre-warning or a pre-something that, oh, this is something I'm aware of this. I don't quite know what to do about it yet, but I'm aware of it. And that's a really powerful thing. It's like what we both like to do and do is educate, you know, homeopathics are educating our system the way that we like to educate. So people have information to have a stronger, healthier state of being. And so I think for the people not familiar, is a great addition. Yeah, you know, Richard, for people not familiar with homeopathy, 
it probably bears mentioning that uh, homeopaths and homeopathy conducts experience experiments on human beings. Um, you know, there are, there's not animal testing and things like that. They're, we're we're we're, we're human beings. And so what they do for all the remedies in the Materia Medica, that substance has been given to, uh, let's say, uh, groups of people and they, who volunteered uh, to do what's called a proving. And so the people might assemble. There might be 100 people, and they all take micro doses of the substance. And then like bryonia which is sweet bryony, which is uh, not an herb that you would ever make into a tea, <laughs> nor would you use gel simian unless you're trying to mess people up with a little moonshine, because in the old days they would put some gel simian vine in it and cause all kinds of mischief uh, with, with it as a, an intoxicant, a booster. But this, these plants, um, they're giving people the plants in safe doses, um, you know, they might be diluted a little bit, but they take them every day and they keep notes. And so the premise of homeopathy is the remedy you get is a remedy that would create your very symptoms in a healthy person. And so they, all these notes and people have, have done these things called proving. So we know in human beings that if 80% of the people who are taking a remedy uh, – dream of being you know chased by a lion that there there's something to it <laughs> you know or <laughs> if 80% of the people taking the remedy developed a discharge or they had more frequent urination or they had to blow their nose more all whatever they are the mental the emotional and the physical symptoms are all noted and so when these doctors uh, say for instance like bryonia is the genus epidemicus right now they're looking at the provings, the original provings by groups of doctors that have worked on this and kept meticulous records worldwide for the last 200 years or more. And we look at the, the provings and we go, oh, okay, the dry cough, it's right for the season. Um, the, the bryonia patient is going to be one that is particularly worried about their fear of loss of revenue because mm -hmm. when you quarantine, you're not getting, you know, all of a sudden life has changed. And, and so when these things come to the forefront, the, um, that's how we know the remedies. So there you go. There's, there's just a little bit more about this 250-year-old uh, medical uh, tradition called homeopathy. It's a full study. It's amazing. I've had, I've done homeopathic intakes. I don't mean I've done them. I mean, I've gone to a homeopath and done the intake, and the amount of information they gather is mind blowing. Truly mind blowing. And it's very and personal. <laughs> it's very personal. Wow. <laughs> More than any doctor has any traditional western medicine doctor has ever asked me it's truly an amazing process and i think as we as we move toward wrapping up that, that there's really this as you said this crossroads of mind body spirit it's a we are a mind body spirit each one of us it's not a like my mind and my body are separate no 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 <laughs> they all operate together 
they all communicate with each other. And I, that's why I was really happy that we could talk again about this, because really the fear part, that's part of the mind and spirit. You know, if you keep grinding away at the fear and the worry and the concern, the body's going, what are we doing? Are we dying? What's going on? I feel fear. And it's really so powerful to, again, use a lot of the material. There's a link on the show notes with Jack's great article about the genus epidemicus and other protocols or the supplementation, I would say. And really, this is, you know, mind, body, spirit is really true. It's really, we're a whole unit of those items together. And if we think about, you know, always something bad and fearful and wrong and they're out to get us, eventually the body, just like the saber-toothed tiger, we can think about it and our body reacts to just the same as if it's really there. So if we regularly grind away that you know it's out something's out to get us yeah well your your body's going oh it's out to get me go ahead jack in this even brings up things where people in natural health more likely to be talking about things like the law of attraction and this is why i want to put forth the, the message to not be fear fearful and um for those of um let's say, Old Testament uh, Bible persuasion, it was be uh, that which I fear has come upon me. It, it's out of Job. And this is um, the pattern where if you fear something, you put so much energy on it, you've enlivened your emotions, you've enlivened your stress hormones, your brain is dwelling on it, and there seems to be this thing, whether people are looking at it as the secret that was popular or how to, laws of manifestation, that if we're, we're dwelling in fear, we're actually attracting this thing to us. Now, that would be more the mind-spirit connection here. So when uh, the homeopaths say that homeopathy treats the person, not the disease. This is where you get a big differentiation between allopathic and homeopathic medicine. Uh, allopathic medicine is the best thing in this world to treat the disease. Uh, homeopathy could well be the best therapy in the world to treat the person, and, and along with homeopathy would be so many of the natural health, the acupuncture, the massage therapist, the, the, the people with, with hands-on caring for other people would would all be arms linked together saying we're we're looking to help the person body mind and spirit so i think this is where we we look at why the message is to to not be fearful to be concerned this thing has come into our lives or always in the road of life of humanity there's things that are injected or interjected disrupting our complacency and so this is one such thing but we saw something beautiful 20 years ago um, in new york city and we saw how the people pulled together when the the trade towers came down and we suddenly found the strength of humanity and the resilience. And maybe living in this country of comfort, our consumer society, the way that we're 
constructing our realities in this country, I, I'm thinking out of that misery has come uh, or, or came this uh, alliance and camaraderie of humanity. We now have a global pandemic. And it could well be an opportunity for humanity to say, we're not going to be afraid. We're going to work together. We're going to take proactive steps. We're going to take self-responsibility to protect others and to protect ourselves. And by golly, you know, we're, we're going to get through it. There have been a lot worse challenges to the human species over the last million years than the coronavirus. So it's in our pleasure, you know, just imagine if you'd been born in uh, or you were a, a young man in, you know, 1938, right? You, you did not have a, a choice. You were, you were put in a brutal war. Well, here we go. We have a challenge that we can all come together, and I'm really hoping to see that, that we can honor the doctors and nurses that are putting themselves on their line, that we can honor the, the police that will be maintaining order in our society. We can honor the researchers. And um, I believe we should have a heck of a lot of respect for the chiropractors and the alternative health uh, people that we're all on the same team. We're all part of humanity. We all have a role to play and instead of putting down people that think differently or are chosen to perform healing arts a little bit differently, that it's time that we look for the best in everything because it's going to take a, an entire village to raise this, this child of humanity out of these, these fears that are uh, unfortunately quite promulgated uh, through the media, and often uh, the fears will be serving some people's hidden agendas. And so if we break free, then we become uh, self-destined human beings and can achieve our greatest good and achieve uh, greater good for everyone else. And that's a good calling for a person as they, they live life. So I just want to thank you so much, Richard. I agree completely. Um, we've come to that. I'm surprised we got here so soon. Uh, Jack's great article or write-up, Genus Epidemicus Nutrition and Nutritional Supplementation, you can find that at the show notes right after we end the show. You can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then click on Sound Health Radio, and you'll see the link back to Blog Talk Radio. And down there at the bottom, I put the link to this article so you can find it. It's really, go there, get it now. It's a great write-up of information, a number of the things that we talked about, as well as other really great tips and hints and positive actions. I guess I'll call all that. It's really a, a great gathering of information. Thank you for that. Back to the regular sort of things, where can people find out more about you and what you do? Well, they could uh, just um, – I have a, a modest web page at, at www.wellnesswiz.com. Great. And a lot of my writings will be where uh, on, on an article download at appleadaypress.com. Thank you. There's a lot of great information there. 
have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Uh, I advocate for one cup of coffee a day. That's my <laughs> it's my choice. It is organic. It's organic. Yeah, it's, oh, absolutely. It's organic. Oof, coffee's a whole other thing. A lot of great reading at uh, Apple a day. Uh, that show note, that link is also in the show notes. So thank you so much, Jack. I knew this was going to be a great show, and it was possibly even better than I thought. And with that, everybody else have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you, Richard. <laughs>